Have you seen it? Uh, not yet. I am far behind. Went and saw Air last night, and it was it was pretty good. It's I've heard I've heard fun things. I know like Nick Weiger was like raving about it recently. I heard it's on good. I think I, get played, uh, but uh, yeah. I love Chris Tucker. Like I'm so glad he's like back in a movie. Yeah. Um. You know Matt Damon's fun. Viola Davis is great. I don't know why Ben Affleck felt like he needed to direct this movie. I <laughs> honestly. It could have it could have been anybody that directed it. You could have told me a fucking algorithm directed it, and I would have yeah. believed you. I I think it looks interesting. It could be good. I I was a little like just amused at the fact that one not not once in a trailer do they like show Michael Jack uh, Michael Jordan. You know that's kind of the story though. Like he is barely even a character which is funny like it is funny yeah. to be like oh the guy with actual with all the actual talent and like you know notoriety and fame we're not even going to focus on him at all he's barely acknowledged like it's all it's about like, the corporate yeah. suits that like <laughs> launch there's this like, marketing campaign <laughs> there's like three times where they're going for interviews with like adidas converse and the uh-huh. nike and each time it like they barely even acknowledge Michael, like, as he's getting out of the limo. Yeah. Because, like, his mom was the big driving factor. I think he has, like, two lines, maybe? From, like, wow. you see, like, the back of his head, and he's like, those are Bulls colors. Uh, that, like, okay, that's it. That's very funny. Um, but it also, I think, the other thing about, about it is just that um, I... There's a there's a strange trend happening now because we got that out. You have uh, Tetris, another like biopic about not exactly about the the guy that pulled it off. Like, right? It's more about the corporate, you know, the corporate like element. Yeah, I feel like there's another one. Yeah, there's kind of like uh, that. there's kind of the pinball movie, but that's less right. like that's it is a period piece biopic sort of about like. Not exactly a brand, but like you know, the, it's a, that's a little uh, different. But yeah, the there's weird a, legal system that was behind pinball. Yeah, exactly. Right, like yeah. about the band. I, I think that one I hear is more personal to to the actual guy, and it's more of like a romantic comedy than anything else, which uh, which I think is a good move. But um, I don't know. Strange trend with Air and uh, and Tetris, and I feel like I feel like yeah, there is another one more about the corporation behind something rather than the actual thing. Yeah. But yeah, according to the, uh, speaking of Nick Weiger again, but apparently Tetris, like, is so fucking inaccurate, too, to how any of it played out. <laughs> like, um, and makes so many changes to, like, the action, you know, to how everything went down. Um, yeah, you gotta make it dramatic, you know, cinematic. Yeah, yeah that's, that's like, the argument for it, but I can, uh, you know, look, I have not seen the movie, have not read the books or, like, the actual story that Nick Weiger is pulling from for these claims, but... It does sound like they made some weird choices in terms of like why would you not depict this or like why would you yeah why would you make it that this guy suggested something why would you cast Taron Egerton as a Egerton Egerton why would you cast him as an Indonesian man <laughs> like you know there's just some baffling yeah. choices in there yeah that's weird the one in air that really got me is like and they specifically call it out like Jason Bateman I love Jason Bateman yeah, uh, great in Arrested Development. Haven't seen a lot of like Ozark or any of the other more recent stuff, but always love him. 
Uh, he looks great in this movie. He looks totally fit. Yeah, he's, he's they, aged well. Yeah. They have, well, you say that, but they have a literal part where they stop down the movie because he's like, it's his birthday. And he's like, oh, I turned from 44 to 45. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you fucking didn't. You are not 45 in this movie. Hey, this you takes can, place. You can say whatever you want. This takes place in what, the late 80s? Maybe, you know. It's just... like 84. And, you know, it's like when people they were... introduced the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like right around when Teen Wolf 2 was coming. <laughs> like This is like the, the, the time of heavy smokers, you know? So who knows? Yeah, Maybe well, they, I guess yeah. that's true. There's quite a few like Ghostbuster call-outs. Yeah, yeah. Roddy Dangerfield so was starring time. in Caddyshack around that time, and he was like 45. He was 45 <laughs> in Caddyshack, so... <laughs> you know what? This sounds believable to me. <laughs> Uh, well, you want to let me know about Evil Dead? You yeah, it, I'm assuming <laughs> you would think so. No, no, I, I did not mm. actually. I uh, sad thing. This is this year's Prey. Last year, everybody was going crazy for Prey, and I saw it and was like, I hate to be the detractor, but guys, but this was like borderline bad. I didn't hate it, mm. but um, what I will say about it, and obviously people disagree with me on this because it's getting really good reviews. I've seen, you know, other people I know as huge Evil Dead fans rally behind it and say they really like it. But um, I'll, I'll just I'll just say this movie does not have a Bruce Campbell or Jane uh, Levy. Like, and it sorely, okay. sorely needed one. Um, yeah. Because it, it builds up to that sort of classic Evil Dead thing of, like, you know, okay. There's one left. You know, normal a normal, a normal person who, like, has to then become this, like, you know, deadite fighting badass. But you don't care. You're not, mm. like, I don't know. And the vi- it's certainly violent. I would say it doesn't even come close to the level of, like, upsetting violence that the remake did. Like it doesn't even come close okay. to that. Like you see Not in the trailer, even the cheese grater. No, 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 no. Don't get your. I, I don't. I don't want to say too much, but like, okay. you're like, oh, you're like, okay, this will be good, and then you're like, oh, that was kind of it. Okay, and maybe I'm just like a, you know, um, what do you call it? Desensitized like gore addict, but like, yeah. <laughs> but all, but I was like, there were a couple times where I was like, oh shit, that's violent, and then I was like, oh, but that was it, you know. Like, nothing even comes close to the original, like, for me. Like, the pencil on the ankle was still far and away one of the goriest moments in the series. And I, I will, I'll just say, I think in both the originals and in the remake, even if the remake was not a comedy, like the other ones, you know, are at times, the remake still has a sense of, like, glee and, like, mischievousness with the violence. It's like, it mm-hmm. knows, hey, this is upsetting, and we're gonna, like really linger on this to just to upset you the audience you know and like, like the there's tongue. exactly there's so the many, tongue like, points the arm like coming movie. off of the thing the hand yeah. getting split in half like the movie knows it's being a jerk ass and is enjoying it and evil dead rise it just felt kind of perfunctory to me or it would cut away too quickly or there there's one there's one sequence in general that i, I that i thought was just such a bad decision in terms of how to how to depict it like okay. it was just uh, to me, it was just poor direction. I was just like, "This is a horrible choice for for not even just for an Evil Dead movie, for, okay. but for a horror movie to the show like violence this way." I'm like, "That's just a bad, uninteresting way to do it." Like it was well, because that's yeah. what I was about to ask. Like, do you think a director's cut would help 
But like, if you're even thinking that the direction was not good, that that can't really save it. I just think there was a it was a pretty it was a fairly lackluster like direction. Mm. Yeah, I think that that is just like a huge, a huge part of it. And also, I just kept thinking of um, I talked about it in our Evil Dead remake episode. Uh, but Raimi has a quote in the commentary I watched for the first Evil Dead where he talks about like this movie is not about anything. If the gags don't work then we have nothing to stand on. That's, like, kind of his his quote about it, right? And I talked about how, like, yeah, that first Evil Dead movie, there's barely a story, right? And mm-hmm. you you get a little bit of, like, that outsider energy with Cheryl's character, um, you know, in terms of, like, character dynamics. But other than that, there's not a lot going on. The remake added the addiction element, which, you know, was really... It was well done enough that you didn't mind that, okay, this movie is kind of about something now, but it still works because Jane Levy's a great actor and they're actually making a, a kind of an interesting take on that stuff. This one starts out because, you know, it's, it's primarily like a mother who is like the main deadite. So this one starts with like maybe some ideas about family issues, but then completely abandons that. And it's that mm. same Raimi thing of like it, it doesn't have the gags to fall back on because it's. Not that well directed, I thought. And then the actual story that they in- they introduced is not interesting at all to me. It's just like I just don't care. Like it's just you know. Um, well, so this I, is I, good to know because uh, yeah. I had it high on my list. I'm like, well, I need to see it. I need to try to see it this week. And now yeah. I might be like, I can wait a little bit. Here's fine. the thing: I, I didn't hate it. It's not even like I was like, oh, I hate this or anything. It was yeah. just like. Oh, this doesn't really capture the Evil Dead energy at all to me. Like in either in any of the senses, of like, okay, it's got the violence at times. Like, okay, it's got the Book of the Dead in it. You know, there's some fun references, but it's like, but it doesn't feel like I'm watching an Evil Dead movie. Um, mm. Whereas the remake, it gave me that feeling at points. You know, where it's is, like, is it again yeah. the setting? Is just changing the setting up too much? No, I think the setting is a is a decent idea, and there are the best parts of it are when they are utilizing that setting, like um, when you're. It's like, okay, we're in this high rise apartment building. What can we do differently here in terms of Evil Deadness? You know what I mean? Like if because it's not just the the deadites that are possessed in the other movies, it's the cabin itself is like mm-hmm. kind of working against you, especially in the second one. And this one kind of does take that idea of like, okay, the building itself has things going on in it, right? And those are the best parts of the movie. And that to me, I'm like, you, they should have done more of that stuff, honestly. So the setting change, I'm totally fine with. Um, I will say I've been reading reviews saying like, oh, the opening scene is so great and like the title card drop is awesome. I did walk into it five minutes late and miss that stuff. Maybe it's there's a possibility maybe that would have turned the entire thing around mm. for me. Uh, I, here's the thing: I'm considering going again just with the proper expectations, just so I can like okay. really get a handle on how I feel about this. But it was just not a positive first <laughs> reaction, sadly. Mm. Well, I still want to see it. Uh, I got a lot to see this weekend. I'm probably going to see two today, D&D, and then I might go see Showing Up with the Michelle Williams art indie oh, drama. Yeah. I like and D&D. I still want to see Bo's Afraid. So. Oh, Bo's Afraid is good, man. I've been um, been a little, a little miffed seeing some negative reactions online. My course is going to be negative, negative reactions to this movie. Like it's It takes some wild swings. But I was also reading some other good positive reactions and stuff. I will say, it's, um, just on that topic, very briefly, like some people's like problems with it, and I guess with Ari Aster in general, it are kind of ridiculous to me. And I'm not trying to like 
play down anyone's like sensibilities or like if they are actually offended by it then like you know i guess there's a conversation to be had about it but i was just saying like there's a character in bo's afraid i'm not going to say too much but that um it's implied they have ptsd right and i just was seeing some reaction of like oh i guess we see now how ari aster feels about people with like ptsd Mm. in like a negative way and then there was other talk about like Midsommar being like, well, we know how he feels about disabled people. And I'm like, what do you like? <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. And of then, course. Yes. With Bo's of my, yeah. my meaning is always put out there in like very disguised ways. In mm-hmm. I hate handicapped people because I made yes. handicapped people like die in a movie. Right. Or uh, in specifically Midsommar, they're talking about the, uh, the inbred guy, Ruben, like their prophet. Oh. Yeah. Because he's deformed yeah. um, and he's part of this villainous cult. People are saying, well, go, he's using people with disabilities as like monsters and coding them as monsters. I'm like, but he's also like, he's a he's a victim oh. of that cult. He's not like yeah. the monster there. The idea is that this cult is intentionally inbreeding disfigured people. And then like, he's he's a victim. Like, you know what I mean? Like his disability is not portrayed as monstrous. It's like a sad thing. I mean, and yes, he looks a little, like, he's designed to look a little scary, maybe, but, like, I don't know. But it's also, like, but you're inter- you're extrapolating from this one character that Ari Aster hates all disabled people or something, <laughs> or from this one character that has PTSD that, that he thinks all of them are like this, like, The yeah. fucking internet has ruined everything. It's crazy. We, we can't um, have discourse anymore. Yeah, I know. And there was another one about, like, about homeless people and Bo is afraid, but it's like, okay, even from the trailer... You understand that, like, this is a weird, surreal, ex- you know, you know, ex- you know, exaggerated, like, fantasy world, basically. Like, do not take any of this seriously, and do not think that Ari Aster is like putting his actual feelings about homeless people into this in this way. Like, that is such a weird, bad faith reading of this stuff. Um, <laughs> if he like says in an interview, like, I hate homeless people, that's not a thing. But it's like, come on, yeah. Anyway, that that'll get you canceled. All right, well, yeah. Uh, we got to talk about this Bug Nuts movie that yeah. I personally love, even though it is it is a mess of a movie. Uh, all right, well, let's just jump into it. Welcome to The Weekly Podcast Massacre. I am your host this week. My name is Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. I have a lovely co-host with me today. Hi, hello. I'm Greg from Los Angeles. Hello, and we are starting a new month. Uh, each month we have a new theme, and it is May. Of course, we're doing Malian Invasion. That's right. Anything from the stars that causes horror, we are into it. Uh, this movie is somewhat of a horror movie. It does have horror elements. Yeah. It's a weird mix of horror, sci-fi, which is what a lot of this month will be. Like, aliens are typically under the science fiction genre. Right. Although, you know, occasionally they have very scary parts to it. Uh, but this movie, eh, I mean, it's not really scary. There are <laughs> no, vampires but, in but it, which here's are... The, that's the thing, yeah. There you got vampires. creatures. And I, I think um, this movie is definitely scared of, of something, you know? Like, that's the thing, is, like, the characters in it... Uh, you get the sense of maybe the creators, the writer of the book, possibly, that wrote this original story. They're scared of something, and that that something is women, <laughs> I think. Yeah, well. Uh, femininity. 
Uh, that's the portrayed as something to be terrified of in this movie. You're not scared of women, Greg. Like they can cut you down, like with with ease every time. Yeah, yeah, man. Jesus, I, I guess so. Uh, no, there's there's something like to the idea that this movie is using sexuality to like portray like a type of fear or uncomfortability, you know. Um, so I I would yeah I would say it's 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 a pretty half and half in terms of sci-fi horror. Yeah. Uh, well, it was directed by uh, returning champion Toby Hooper. The great Toby who Hooper. had has done many things. He had just finished Poltergeist, I believe, before working on this movie. And it's like a year or two after this, he does Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. So it's it's kind of um, a very big dip of a valley in his movies in my in Bet- my opinion like well uh between that too, is pretty great i think between this and texas chainsaw 2 he did invasion invaders from mars i the, i think there was one more yes invaders yeah. from Mars. so that's even two points that yeah. like no one no one talks about that movie i know because it's it's like okay it's fine i yeah. i read some interesting takes on it but it's like it's kind of a whatever movie that w- it's such a funny counterpoint to this one though because like he does two alien invasion movies in a row. One that is insanely sexual and like over the top and just features a character that is nude 95% of her screen time um, yeah. and like full frontal. Like it, it's, it's great. It's in, it's literally in your face so much. And then invaders from Mars is like a kid's movie. <laughs> like it's, it's so <laughs> the exact opposite direction. Um, but it's very and funny. It really yeah. Does seem like, he, Oh, I, I didn't, strike with these so i gotta go back to the well yeah kind of it is interesting i mean like it is interesting for him to like because i i was reading that hooper was pretty excited to do this because um he w- struck a deal with canon films who also uh he did a three-picture deal with them so it was this invaders from mars and then um texas chainsaw 2 and uh it seems like he really found found a way to work with them to like get kind of weirdly extravagant budgets you know like there's a famous stories about texas chainsaw 2 that like he just kept getting more money from them and like you know would constantly change a script and then make it so that like they had to pony up more money to finish stuff like he just kind of worked Love he it. found out how to game the system with them and i would say that this movie invaders from mars and texas chainsaw 2 you see him using his budget in really smart ways you know especially with the set designs of everything i, yes. I think all three of those movies have incredible sets um, and then like the effects in this in general are pretty decent. There's like some that are kind of whatever, but for the most part, right. it looks fantastic. It's it's very interesting because it's like a year after Ghostbusters. It's like two yeah. or three years after Return of the Jedi. And it was one thing I was trying to think about when watching it, especially like all the space stuff. Is it's it's so still hard to kind of go back and and look at that original Star Wars effects. Yeah, because it's just so hard to see that. Like they, they've like buried it. George Lucas is like, no, it'll never see the light of day anymore. So it's hard <laughs> to think about like how how the effects have progressed at, to this point. Of like, well, if we try to go back to look at Star Wars: Empire, Return of the Jedi, we're only getting the newer effects. Yeah, um, a lot of the, some of the space stuff was a little iffy here. I did want to shout out. Uh, well, let me go back a little bit. Toby Hooper. Screenplay was by Dan O'Banion and Don Jacoby. I also Dan saw O'Bannon. two other names, but they weren't in the actual credits of the right. movie. 
but yeah, Dan O'Banion, you know, a, a favorite of mine. Mine too, man. I, I, I'm not even joking. I have been considering for years, like, should I compile, like, a Dan O'Bannon biography? Because this guy, he's so fascinating to me. Yes. Um, primarily known. Yeah, yeah. Like, weird libertarian gun nut, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah, supposedly, like, a like a fuck machine, too. Um, but primarily primarily known for things like Dark Star. He wrote the original screenplay for Alien. Like, he came up with the original concept, supposedly. Um, and it was refined by Walter Hill, and I forget the other guy's name. But, um... A lot of, like, also, working men in yes. space. Oh, I mean, that's, 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 that's what he... He has such a great yeah. handle on. Speaking of Star Wars, he did computer graphics for Star Wars. All of like the wireframe uh, computer stuff. Not yeah. all of it, but I think a lot of it was done by Dan O'Bannon. Like he was okay. also like a like a graphic designer and a graphic artist. Uh, was roped into working on Yodorowsky's Dune, doing concept designs and things like that because he had such a great handle of like sci-fi aesthetics that he yeah. drew ships and landscapes for that stuff. Uh, and then made the fucking all-time great masterpiece return to the living dead wrote and directed the same year yeah. this came out like both uh, one of our favorites so absolutely yeah he so he yeah. was really good friends with toby hooper and like hooper was uh this this time is really interesting for both of them they, they were really good friends they they wanted to collaborate and so originally hooper was going to direct return to the living dead and o'bannon was going to write the script then Spielberg gets involved in Poltergeist and chooses Hooper as the director. And so Hooper's like, well, I'm going to go do that and, you know, I'm going to leave Return of the Living Dead to you. After that, they do get together, they work on this, and they work on Invaders from Mars together. But both of those don't really gel. I mean, I think even though they are friends and they seem simpatico in some ways, like, uh, there's something about O'Bannon's scripts that, you know, you look at some a lot of stuff he's written and it doesn't always pan out great i think return of the living dead is so good because he's directing his own material and he kind of mm-hmm. knows the tone he knows the tone that it needs to be um he has and the vision I, and he's yeah. able to put that on the screen right and i think that's part of why dark star works as well as it does because he's in that movie and he had much more creative control over that script too i think yeah. to, the sh- to the chagrin of carpenter maybe but like, and it's funny thinking just about Return of the Living Dead. Like, it's a bunch of working stiffs, yeah. and then outsiders, like ostracized punk people. Yes, like I just, yeah, it's it's a lot of great ideas, and that's uh, his major a, sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I this was uh, adapted from a 1976 novel called The Space Vampires <laughs> by Colin Wilson. Fucking horrible name. Could have come yeah. up with almost anything better. Life Force is. Not a not, horrible title, it, it, yeah, but it's not that good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's nothing that's gonna grab you, right? Um, I did want to point out one other behind the scenes person. So special effects were by John Dykstra. Do you know this name? Yeah, he uh, uh shit. He did also a lot of Star did, Wars. He is right. Like, yeah, he's yeah, known yeah. As the creator of the lightsaber, usually. Yeah, he. I. I was so. That's the other thing I was going to talk about. I was just at the Academy Museum yesterday the academy oh, of uh, motion picture yeah. arts and they they have dykstra's uh oscar on display there mm. like for star wars you can actually see it um i i went for to celebrate my birthday with some family and uh and some friend you know and a friend and like um we we walk in and they're like hey guys you know uh 
we see that you just had the general mission tickets for today, but we have a free like symposium thing happening here. Ben Burt is actually doing a talk in like 30 minutes oh, wow. and admission is free. And if people don't know, he's the sound designer and sound effects artist for Star Wars and Indiana Jones and a million other things. So he was doing a free talk yesterday. So like this guy amps it up as we walk in. He's like, go to that desk, get some, you know, claim some tickets. So we walk over there and they're like, uh, we literally just gave out the last ticket like two minutes ago. Son of so a bitch. we we fucked up. But uh, but yes, I just I was just reading about Dick Stray yesterday because it was the they had his Oscar on display and I was talking about him a little bit. Yeah, uh, very fascinating. I think oh, so many of these effects are really good. The space yeah. ones I'm kind of iffy on, but a lot of the like puppetry. Yep. And some of the life force stuff, it it reminds me exactly of like Ghostbusters of like, yeah where you're. You're almost just drawing on the negative of the film to get but it looks, these effects. But it, but it looks great. Like, it, it, it really does pop, you know? And that's, yeah. like, one of the movie's biggest strengths, for sure. I think the other biggest strength is just the general look of it. I think it's a mm-hmm. gorgeous movie. And some of the lighting, there are so many scenes where I'm like, this lighting fucking rocks. Yeah. Uh, one of the dream sequence, when he's, like, having a nightmare and she comes to visit him and it's like red and purple and black just kind of all over it's crazy i love it let's give some uh of the actors and then we can talk about other things we've been watching this week this movie is bizarre in that there's i guess you would say steve rails back as colonel tom carlson is the main character but he's not like in it a lot yeah it doesn't really have a main character that's like the problem with this it's almost Honestly, an ensemble that yeah. do, that doesn't really have a good uh, captain right. for it. Because if it's not Carlson, which it not isn't really, then it's Kane, but he doesn't enter the movie till like forty five minutes in. But and I then do if it's, kinda love I, I do love kinda Kane, love Kane. He's Kane's my favorite great. character, yeah. Uh yeah. Peter Firth as uh Colonel Colin Kane from SAS. I had to look this up. This is special air service. Yep. Like I can do British. this from Call of Duty, I think. Because yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Mathilda May, part of Malian Invasion. It worked out perfectly. I don't. Yeah, know it did. That's pr- that is great. How it happened, but uh, plays Space Girl, which they could have mm-hmm. come up with a better title, maybe. And just maybe just the vampire, honestly. Cause the, like, yeah, the female, something right, like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have Frank Finlay as Doctor Hans Falada. Who's just got like a great, uh, almost Shakespearean presence to him. Yeah, he's really good. Very I, fun. I, I really like him. And then pretty much of the only other like known people, probably the most well-known person in this movie, we have Mr. Patrick Stewart as Dr. Armstrong. Yeah, hell yeah. Who's in it maybe 10 minutes, if that. But, but he is so good, though. He's like, fun, he, though. Yeah, it's really he's... fun. He's fantastic. Uh, we have one other surprise returning champion. It's rumored, apparently. It, it's not even confirmed. But John Larroquette is the narrator that opens the movie. Oh. That's, that's what it claims. Wow. That's That's a claim I saw. And it does sound like him. Like, uh, it It sounds a lot like the <laughs> like the intro to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that would make sense then. It, it is Hooper. It is Larroquette. Yeah. He loves those sultry tones but, that he gives. It's it's listed on IMDb, but it says unconfirmed next to it. You know, just like how it, I I could not find any information about who the narrator is for Texas Chainsaw Two. Like 
it's 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 interesting how this has remained a mystery somehow. Yeah. It's interesting that it it has that narration with the text in the beginning. Like it's it's very throwback, you know, yeah. Yes, and then it's weird that they give a date. Like you don't even need to give a date, I guess. Right. Maybe besides uh uh what is it? Cuz it's all about Haley's comet. I guess maybe yeah. that's what they're trying to insinuate of like because they made this movie knowing in the book it was something different. It was like a uh, an asteroid, asteroid or, yeah. right, right. And this one it was like, well, Haley's comet will be circling back around next year, so we should change it to make it give some kind of relevance to the future. Yeah, I know Night of the Comet was around out around this time, but maybe you could have just called this something like something similar to that. Like Night of Night of the Comet would not be that inaccurate for this one you know no no that that would be pretty good actually yeah yeah uh well let's talk about anything else besides horror have you been watching anything good have you seen anything lately yeah i mean aside from evil dead which is horror so i guess it doesn't count for this question um still nope. continuing my shaw scope adventure i watched uh challenge of the masters this morning which is fine i don't really have a lot to say about it uh, uh it has a young gordon Liu who is like a kung fu staple um but that was okay. I guess the, the big thing I watched that I really enjoyed this past week uh, that was not horror was uh, the second movie in the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Um, oh, that's right. I saw yeah, your review. I, yeah. Uh, so this one is Baby Cart at the River Sticks, and fucking so good. I mean, like, I loved the first one. If people don't know, but the series, it's about a wandering samurai and his young child. It was, a, you know, primary basis inspiration for the Mandalorian, as well as a million other uh, takes on the similar idea of like a wandering killer or a wandering warrior with a, with a young child. He's got to protect. They're too. very fun. The, yeah. Just the, the ideas that they come up with to like give the cart. Like yes. It's own personality almost. The, yeah. The, that's the incredible thing about it is I feel like you watch those other takes on it and it's like, you know, okay, so you're watching the Mandalorian and fucking like Grogu is around and, you know, the Mandalorian's doing his best to protect him and keep him out of danger and blah, blah, blah. In Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf and Cub, like, his name is Ido, the, the samurai. He is literally throwing his child into battle multiple times yeah. and just has the faith in his child who is killing people in this movie. Like, there's well, a scene... What do they yeah. say? They're they're walking on the path of the devil, or the, something. They're, they're on the, like that. the the demon path to hell. Yeah, which That's is one of the coolest, yeah. most like black metal things. <laughs> but it's like literally, there's a part where like an assassin is charging the cart, and the kid just nonchalantly like taps the side of it. A spear comes out and fucking kills them. Like it's it's so crazy. I mean, like it revels in ultra violence. You know, within the first within the first twenty seconds of the movie. You see somebody get their head split open by a katana. It opens on a fucking crazy action scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought that was, I, was truly great. I have the Criterion set. I have not finished it. I need to go back. I think I have like two or three left. Yeah, I've been watching it on HBO Max, them. but definitely okay. going to dip into that for the next Criterion sale. And try to get that yeah, collection. Yeah. Uh, well, mine was actually from one of the Criterions that I bought in the last sale. I watched Mona Lisa. Which was a Neil Jordan film, I believe, okay. from eighty something. Uh, but it stars a fabulous Mister Bob Hoskins Ooh. as a man who just got out of prison, 
and the he like wants to get back to work his crime syndicate ways and the only real job that he's offered is to drive around a high class prostitute uh sex worker and it's him kind of falling in love with her and it's just a very sweet sweet movie uh i really enjoyed it throughout uh michael kane is in it as kind of like the mob boss that's cool and oh, I it's love fun that. he's a little he's a little bigger like he's he's kind of got a belly yeah uh, it's a real fun michael kane performance and then the other one i watched which was kind of random it was again it's kind of like this movie it wasn't very good but i was enjoying myself throughout it was called let's kill ward's wife <laughs> okay uh, uh, uh written and directed by scott foley i'm not sure if you would that sounds uh, familiar. Recognize that name. The the face you would probably be like, okay, that guy. It's got um oh shit, I can his name just escaped me. It's got Patrick Wilson as well. Uh, uh Donald Faison, the guy from Scrubs. Oh yeah, yeah. And then another guy, but Donald Faison's just had a baby with his wife. He is Ward, titular Ward, and she's just such a bitch that all of his <laughs> friends are joking like, well, you know, we should just kill her. And then the opportunity arises, and they do it, and then it's like, wow. oh, well, now we gotta get rid of the body. Uh, it's just, it's fun. It was, like, stupid, enjoyable. Yeah. It's probably a little misogynistic at times. <laughs> yeah, I can see that, yeah. Um, and then, what's the guy um, from all the J.J. Abram stuff? He was, like, the... Well, you haven't seen Lost, but he's like the pilot in Lost. It's it's a Greg Grun- Greg Grunberg it or is. something. It yeah. is. He's in it as like the neighbor cop, and he's he's just like a big round meatball, but he's really fun. You know, I, I I'm sure I'm sure he's fine. Like I I remember him in Hollow Man being okay. Like um yeah, that's right. As much as anybody can could be in Hollow Man, but like uh. I remember because he shows up in the in Force Awakens, and then uh, he's yep. in yep. he's in Rise of Skywalker. And I remember during that big like climactic battle near the end, there's just a point where like his character gets killed, and Poe Dameron's like Snap because his name is like Snap Wexley, and it's like we're really supposed to give a shit about Snap Wexley? Who? Like what? <laughs> yeah, that's that's your big emotional death during this like climax. Like of course, you know, yeah. yeah. Everybody Fan loves favorite Grunberg. Snap Wexley as portrayed by Greg Grunberg. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> um. It's stupid though. It was on Amazon. I was like, fucking. It's like eighty-seven minutes or whatever. Sure. I yeah. can. I can put this on while I'm working. That's fine. Speaking of length, that's an important thing to ask. How long was your version of Life Force that you watched? Ooh, I just watched the original theatrical cut i did end up buying the 4k for it oh nice um but it does also have the director's cut which i know is a little bit longer yeah i think like um original is 101 minutes director's Mm -hmm. cut is 116 minutes so that's 15 extra minutes i read a lot of it was like on the church hill and that apparently there was like more nudity so i definitely gotta watch it I think I may and, have watched that one because uh, the version I watched on Tubi was like an hour and 51 minutes or so. Like, or okay. maybe like an, a bit over an hour 50. That that would have been it then. And I know the director's cut one is the one that has uh, audio commentary with Toby Hooper moderated by Tim Sullivan. Oh, sweet. 
But I did also watch a interview with Mathilda May that was on here. That was really good. Very interesting. She was super young when this movie was shot, obviously. She was like 1920. And <laughs> well. as as we've said, she is nude 90% of the movie. Yeah. She's a French actress and she did not speak a word of English. She learned all of her lines phonetically Crazy. to do this movie. Um, and it's... I, you know, it's hard not to fall in love. Yeah. So, I mean, we can begin discussing the plot, but essentially, this is the, I mean, I know it's based on a book, and I don't know, maybe the book is just like this, but it's so similar to Alien. Um, And then knowing that O'Bannon wrote Alien, and I I read, I don't think I finished reading it, but I read a lot of O'Bannon's original script for Alien. You can find that online. I need to do that. Um, it's very different. Like, uh, they re- like Walter Hill really injected a lot of flavor and character into the into the protagonist of that. Especially like, I mean, there was no there was no women on in O'Bannon's original draft. It was all men. Um, but I think like, there's also that classic story of like he kind of des- he designed it with like not even really mentioning gender, so it, you could cast either way. That's what I always um, heard. I actually just listened to a podcast about Alien: The Rewatchables. Yeah. And they talk about how uh, Veronica Cartwright did not know that she was playing her role. She thought she was playing Ripley. Yeah. And when she arrived in London, they were like, oh, no, you're actually this other character, not the main character. Yeah. Um, I mean, damn, she kills it. I mean, that's like that role, though, is as Lambert is like really playing to her strengths. So like yeah. or Lambert. It's, but yeah. And they I shared with you the list that Sean Fantasy yep. made of like Veronica <laughs> Cartwright <laughs> screaming, losing her mind in an auteur's vision. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She's fucking she's so good at that though. Um But anyway, so like the I, I made the joke on Letterboxd that like O'Bannon just he took this script his original script for Alien, made the alien slightly more fuckable, and then called slightly. it a day. Like slightly, yeah. just barely. He 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 made some slight it's... adjustments there. I feel like it is definitely, it has a lot of issues that I think a novel has where there's not as many, like, big action things. Like, that's one of the things about, like, the Game of Thrones books versus the TV show. It's like a battle will happen in the books, and it's like they're just mentioning what happened afterwards. And a lot of this movie is just, like, going forward onto the next step, like, chasing... Right. The alien without, like, a lot of big action things happening. I mean, that was a big part of, like, when I read... I mean, it's definitely true, the Game of Thrones books, but it's also, I mean, like, Lord of the Rings, the entire, like, Battle of Helm's Deep that happens in the Two Towers, where it's, like, this huge siege, and, like, you have, you know, like, uh, Legolas and and, uh, Gimli, like, arguing over who's killed more orcs and things like that, and it's just complete chaos. Yeah. That, like, is a page and a half, I think, in the book. You know, and it's just like the enemy well, came strong, but they held strong, they held back and blah, blah, you know, it's, yeah. Greg, that's because you need more time to talk about the food you're eating, the songs oh, you're totally. singing as you're mm-hmm. walking away. Yeah, the landscape. From the battle, like, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, to what kind of mushrooms grow here. Yeah, the, 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 the Siege of Isengard, the, one of my favorite parts of all those movies is when the Ents are, like, attacking the tower with Saruman and stuff. That is literally like you just described. That is never. That doesn't really happen on the page. Like Gandalf and his crew show up later, and it's already done. And Mary and yeah. Pippin are like, "Yeah, there was a big battle here. The trees attacked." And you're like, "Okay, I guess we don't actually see that." 
Oh, it, it works for the book, honestly, but like it is so funny considering how it's depicted in the movie. So for this movie, there is Haley's Comet, which mm-hmm. is every seventy something years. Yeah, I believe uh, you so. Know, we'll we'll probably see it when we're in our well, when I'm in my seventies, you'll be late sixties, <laughs> apparently. Still but, young uh, and spry, it, yeah. It's <laughs> just like a young Jason Bateman. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, it doesn't, they don't really, I guess, describe, there's a spaceship, the Churchill, which I think is kind of a bad name for a spaceship. Yeah. Um, you know, Nostromo is much stronger of a space name. But they uh, are going up to the comet, they find that there's like a weird, they refer to it like an umbrella, which is kind of cool, but it's like, okay, that's a weird description you're giving. They go inside... And there's all of these weird alien bat creatures just hanging out. And they're like uh, desiccated, I think is the word they use. Like drained of all liquids. Right. And those bats look pretty cool, right? They do. It's great design on those things. Yeah. I mean, and to talk about like, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's a rehash of Alien. Because like, even the, the design of everything is so anatomical. Like, it looks like it was kind of, like, designed by Giger, but not as intricate, maybe. But there is straight up a point where they, like, they fly into a hole, and it looks so organic, and it's like, you're going into an anus right now. Like, that's exactly what yeah. it looks like. Um, and talking about as an umbrella, it also looks like vaginal lips or something. <laughs> like, there's, you know... Uh, well, it's got those weird hooks to it, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they go into this weird chamber with, like, all these glass coffins... And mm-hmm. there's three humanoid bodies there in the center. Yeah. You got a beautiful woman and then two males. You never yeah. see any of the, the, the spicy bits of the males, unfortunately. No. It would have been, would have been, I honestly, would, this movie would be stronger if you did. But A lot uh, more progressive, yes. Yeah. Uh, but this is one of my, this is my favorite design element in this whole movie. This, this room looks fucking incredible. Like, I could not tell at points of like, is this a set? Or is this like matte paintings, like backdrops? Like how did they pull this I, off? Because there definitely are times looked you, a lot of matte. Paintings. You see from from certain angles where like you can see though, like the dimension of the other like coffins on the wall and stuff. You're like, oh, so they definitely built some of this, mm-hmm. you know. And then other parts of it are matte, but it's it's meshed together really really well. Um, the the effects to get them like floating in is not great. You know, you could tell it's a little rough. I swear tell to God, I saw in. a wire at some yeah, point. Yeah, you like, see, I, I saw a wire too. Yeah, but like, uh, but for the most part, I think this set looks so good, and your eye is drawn towards the three coffins anyway, with the three mm. people in it. So it's like it, it is a, it, uh, yeah, I really like this stuff. I also just think too, like talking about this as a vampire movie, um, Toby Hooper does have like a nice gothic sensibility to him sometimes. Like, I think a big strength of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is exploring the empty farmhouse at first, you know, um, when they first arrive. And just, like, right. this kind of ominous feeling as there's the, you know, the iconic shot of the woman, like, walking up to the house from below. And it has this old-school gothic feeling to it of, like, this ancient evil place that you're encountering. And I think there's even a line in um, Texas Chainsaw at the beginning where they're talking about the hitchhiker and Franklin is like, you know, oh, great, whole family of Draculas. Like, that's <laughs> just what this feels like. And I think I saw a quote from Hooper, too, talking about how his idea with this one is that he wanted to do a big-budget Hammer type of movie, like Hammer Horror. 
So he's absolutely going for gothic, and I think this really nails it, where the this, the ship that they're exploring feels dead, and it feels evil, and it feels, like, ancient right. somehow. But yeah. still, like you said, like, an organic kind of... yeah. Like, sensibility it, to it. Exactly. It's a really... It's kind of a weird, unique aesthetic. Like, it's space gothic, which I, it, which is yeah. neat. Yeah. Which, and, the, like, all of the the end taking place in, like, St. Peter's Cathedral or something right. like yeah. that. Like, there's such yeah. a good look to that as well. You did make me think, though. I don't know if you've ever seen or if we've talked about Lex, which was, like, a Canadian sci-fi show in the early aughts. No, whatever. I don't think but I've heard of this. It was... It's bizarre. It's very... Uh, like horny kind of like this movie to a degree <laughs> good good but the whole idea of, of the show is that these kind of schlebs like a random security guard uh an, an undead assassin and then a random girl and then a head of a robot they end up okay. stealing a ship from like the big bad guy and the ship's called lex and it is an organic uh being that they are like driving around the universe that can uh, destroy a planet like very easily it's a pretty interesting show like okay, you, you would okay. you would find a lot of things and be like okay this is good and then it's just like well it's just for teenage boys to like look <laughs> at cleavage sometimes hey um, you know sometimes teenage boys nothing need, wrong with that need, need an outlet for that stuff right uh right. that's fun i like the idea of organic ships a lot um yeah i remember there's a uh really strange I don't think it ever got past the treatment stage and maybe some concept art, but for a while, like in the seventies, there was a pitch for a Godzilla movie that was going to be like a weird reboot, and Godzilla was going to be like a spaceship, <laughs> like coming down to Earth, and explicitly like a female Godzilla was going to be like coming to Earth, and I think maybe, maybe it was like... a, maybe there was a male Godzilla on Earth already or something, but like it got real bizarre. Yeah, you could maybe do like Geigen, like that yeah. would be an interesting take on that one. But yes, that's a good point. That's actually, a great take. Yeah, to actually do our our boy. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. You can make him a, a girl. That's I don't care about that. But sure. Like, I mean, they've already kind of played with that weird idea sometimes. Like, who laid the egg that Manila comes out of? You know, right? Don't don't mess with Gorgira. Uh, yeah. So they they bring these humanoid figures, which is another weird thing. I would be like, oh my god, there's humans. We should just go, right? Yeah. Like, let's just like grab a giant tow hook and bring mm -hmm. the ship with us. But they're yeah. like, no, we're gonna bring these bodies back to the ship, uh, and then you just start stop hearing from Churchill, and then they have to send another ship to go and like collect them. They find it all burnt out except for the bodies. And then, of course, hey, we're going to bring these bodies back to Earth. Genius move, guys. Genius yeah. move. I do think they um, do a, a pretty good job with, like, the creepiness of... Uh, this is where, you know, uh, Carlson first sees Space Girl. Uh, mm -hmm. He's the first one in that chamber to look at her. And they do a good job of making, like... The, you feel that creepiness of, like, he is so drawn and, like, uh, hypnotized by her presence, even when she's asleep. Like, yeah, I think they that, get a they, lot of that's, that. That's pretty good, yeah. There's a, a lot of it, I think, is just the soundtrack. Like, the score of this is so charging. Like, it I'm, is, yeah. I'm pumped up when it starts playing. But So they bring the bodies back to the European Space Research Center. The They're, like, all looking at the naked girl, obviously. And they all leave the room. And the guard is so captivated that he has to come in and touch her. 
and she wakes up, you know, mm-hmm. still nude, but uh, then sucks the life out of him. We've all had that happen, right? Yes. And then he becomes a shell of a, <laughs> like a zombie skeleton, what, and, and it is glorious it's awesome and when she's draining people like lightning is shooting between them and like uh, the lights and like, there's like a blue energy swirling the, around the, yes yeah, swirling around the whole room uh-huh. it's it's so fantastic a lot I, of her act I a lot of her love it. acting style is just kind of like a widening of her eyes repeatedly like a yeah she's like staring somebody down um, I mean, when you don't speak English, that you don't need. Yeah, that's much, all you. Right? Got. That's all you got. Yeah. But she has such a striking look, like just her facial features. Yeah, like, yeah. Really give you that almost like vampiric appearance. Right. Like I, I would have loved to see her in Bram Stoker's Dracula, like as one of the, oh, yeah. the vampire brides. Would have been great. Her next to Monica Bellucci. Oof, forget about geez. it. Yeah. Man. Uh, Michael it was also we we. There's a character we didn't really talk about because he, kind of, I feel like he kind of weirdly vanishes partway through. But there's Bukowski. Bukowski, yeah, yeah, who's got a great look. I love mm-hmm. just the look of this guy. But it is like after he drains, she drains the guard. She like drains him a little bit, and then he's kind of in and out and just leaves. Yeah, I don't even really know. Uh, <laughs> there, as, as so as. He Bukowski is a bad runner though. Like as he's trying to run to the girl, <laughs> it's just like really bad. Um, so they call over the the intercom. They're like the guards, like, "Hey, there's a naked girl. Don't let her leave." And they're all like, "What is this? A joke?" Oh, yeah. oh, lady, let me offer you a biscuit. Uh, dude, they they are so British. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> like this is Which this is, is great. Bizarre. Yeah. They they did talk about it in that uh, Mathilda May interview of like it's toby hooper with this like thick texan accent yeah in London, <laughs> directing all of these like shakespearean people and then steve rails back who is just not good in this no. movie i know him from he is a two-part episode of the x-files Oh. Uh, his name is Dwayne Barry. I'll never forget that Dwayne Barry. So if I refer to him as Dwayne Barry, that's where it comes from. Okay, but it was it was a really great part of the X Files show where Jillian Anderson was pregnant in the beginning of the second season. So they split him up, and like a lot of her scenes are uh, like you know behind a desk or just like shot right. And right. then eventually Dwayne Barry was like um, an uh, abductee who takes people hostage and then eventually kidnaps Scully and then takes her to this mountain where she then gets abducted. So you're like, okay, we can write you out of the script for like three, four months so you can go have your baby, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> but he, I I think he's bad, except any time that he's screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me where she is! I, I kind of like whenever, he, whenever he's kind of just quietly hypnotized by her, like I said, when he's on the ship and stuff, you know. Yeah, it, it's very yeah. weird. Um, but we get introduced to Kane, who's like the British Art Garfunkel, almost. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, he's got you know the the weird blonde curly hair. He's mm-hmm. always wearing a turtleneck. Like ninety percent of his scenes, he's wearing a turtleneck, a coat, and then a trench coat. Which I mean, the trench coat's a great look on him. It's I feel fantastic. like the I feel like the British really leaned into like the tactical turtleneck look. 
You know, because like, even Daniel Craig wears one as James Bond sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to protect the neck. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I want to say. Like, uh, you know, as Adrian Brody warned us. Yeah. Right. Right. He goes to Q and he's like, "Well, you know, I need something if someone's going to try to garrot me." He's like, yes. "Oh, well, there's titanium built into the turtleneck. <laughs> That'll prevent um, it." I haven't seen all the Highlander movies, but I do know there is one where the villain at a certain point just has like a weird cone of neck armor so he can't get mm. decapitated. And it's like, yeah, why isn't every Highlander wearing those at all times? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, if one guy's going to do it, why not everybody? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the girl just like w- like is able to get away. It's pretty She great. blows up all the doors and windows, which looks cool. Mm-hmm. And then she walks out nude into into London. Uh, and the, they're saying, like, that girl is no girl. And the men wake up, and they're basically just completely shot. This is death. so good. I love, I love those that, uh, effects of, like, the yeah. bullets. But leading chest. up to that is very funny, too, where they're just like, you know, they're like, hey, keep an eye on those bodies down there. Like, make sure, be very be careful. One of the guards is like, they look bloody dead to me. And then immediately <laughs> there's a massive explosion. Like, yeah. And they get up and start attacking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they like throw grenades, whatever. But then, like, we get pretty much the the coolest scene. This is so of, good. Yeah, this is of, fucking awesome. They are performing an autopsy on the guard that Mathilda May sucked the life out of, mm-hmm. and as they're about to start, it just sits up, and I think it's the eyes of the puppet that really yeah. like make it. You know, realistic it's, to a degree. it's kind of funny because we talked about Naked Lunch recently and like we, we both mentioned, you know, and Cronenberg talks about how he's let down by it too. But like the uh, the Julian Sands puppet, how he's saying it doesn't yeah. work and everything. And the one that really sells like the fakeness of that puppet is the eyes and how mm-hmm. just kind of lifeless they look. It's a very similar effect in this movie, but it completely works with the rest of the design. You know, because they are already, like, howled out mummy husks. Yes. The eyes somehow fit that and, like, add something to it. I think just them being a little bit bigger than normal, like, yes. really helps with that. Like, it is off Yeah, because like the, they're supposed to be shrunken, like, and, yes. yeah, emaciated. Yeah. And then later on, there's points, I couldn't tell if it was, like, all of the turned vampire people, but there's, like, a weird spiral thing yeah. in their eyes. That's a mm-hmm. really cool like look. I don't I don't know if it like has any meaning or whatever, but it's like oh, yeah. okay, that's fun. That's neat. I, th- I thought I had a couple times during this when you get like close-ups of the uh the the vampires and stuff is like mm-hmm. you could caption so much of this movie with the um the classic when you nut but she keeps sucking. <laughs> so you could just slap that over so many images in this movie and it would it would play, you know. Uh, well, there's, you know, so the guard wakes up and it basically just, like, calls to a surgeon or whatever and then sucks the life force out of him. It it's, looks it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. But what I also love about it is as soon as the the guard, like, it's cool for a second and the guard's, like, his face is, like, reforming. That's a little rough. Yeah. But once yeah. he is completely back to himself... There's this, this weird, like, range of emotions that he goes through. Mm-hmm. At first, he's kind of like, happy, bizarre, like, hey, God, what happened? And then he's confused. And he really yeah. doesn't know why, what's happened, why he's doing anything. And then he's just terrified. But by then, they're, like, grabbing him and, like, injecting him with, um, yeah. 
some sedative, basically. Uh, one of the, the next thing is like, there's a girl in a park, and I love that they say it's an indescribable condition. Yeah. My favorite part of this is like, there's two, Bri- two British kids that were like, that saw it happen, and they're like, you know, we thought they were maybe, uh, you know, and they're like, yes, yes. And he goes, and we were just trying to get a better look. <laughs> it's just like they were just this, trying to like perv out on this two girl lesbians didn't have in the park. any knickers on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they bring they bring that body back, but then they're like they're realizing that it's like a two hour incubation period, and they come and the guard who was fine then starts shrinking into back to the emaciated kind of uh, zombie corpse. It's great that they just, like, poke it and it breaks. And it's just, yeah. like, black sand inside of it. But Even then, better, uh, this is so good, yeah. I love it, yeah. The doctor who got sucked out is then also coming to life. And uh, I think it's like Kane says he needs a feeding as well. And just automatically he lunges at the bars and explodes. It's, like, seamless. That effect to me it, blew my mind. It's so good. Like... There's clearly a cut in there, but, like, I, they really masked it well with, like, the plume of dust, I think, that shoots up. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it looks fantastic, because it generally shocked me. I was like, oh, shit, like, he's exploded. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, at this point, we get introduced to another of the character who seems to be, like, a secretary, like, our secretary of defense or something. Like, underneath yeah. the prime minister that he's is, he's is reporting this, to him. Is this, this is Sir Percy, right? I think so, yes, yes. Yeah, this is Aubrey Morris. I really liked his performance. He was really fun. He's uh, got a kind great of like a, we- like a weaselly politician sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah, the line later when they're like, they go to the, like, it's an asylum for the criminally insane. <laughs> uh, it does it's, have it's a right, lot of, like, good moments, yeah. Yeah, it, it's also right here where Dan O'Bannon, if he wrote this into the movie, I don't know if this was him or not, obviously. I don't know what exactly his contributions all were or what survived. But they almost exactly do the scene from Return of the Living Dead, but the the half corpse woman tied to the table. Right. I like, can see exactly that together. Yeah. But yes. Like she's even she's even like naked and topless, just like the half zombie. You know, got that like, saggy boob. Yeah. yeah. But she also explodes in a dust within a couple minutes. It, it just was making me laugh a lot that there's just a string in this movie of like tw- it's like a 15 minute segment where like at least five people explode into dust. Like it's, it's just mm-hmm. come back to back to back. It was it it's, was very funny. And this is in like the first 35 minutes of the movie. This movie yeah. like it, it starts like kind of bad and then there's like 20 minutes where it's like firing on all yep. cylinders. Yeah. And then it just kind of starts trailing off. It, it yeah, this one ha- it has a lot of peaks and valleys for sure, but the peaks are fucking super high. Like it's, there's a lot right. of fun out in here. Yeah, this the whole like guard and then the charging at the at uh, the bar is like it's just so wonderful. Just mm-hmm. why I just love this movie, even though I like I recognize it's not very good at a lot of. Parts. I mean, I, I think this is where you get into some of the problem is right around here is the hunt for the girl. Like, yep. and it's like, okay, she's in different bodies and we got to find out which body she's in and she's tricking them with Patrick Stewart. Like it just, it goes on for a little too long. And like, I, I, like exactly. I, said, I think I, I think I watched the extended one. So maybe that, that added to it. Um, I think it would be better with a spiffier runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Carlson, who was part of the Churchill, like, you know, there was nobody found on the Churchill. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well there was actually an escape pod and he landed in Texas 
So now we're gonna fly him to London. Oh my god. No, okay, so that's I think that's another Sir Percy line that to me really made me laugh. And it has to be intentional on the part of oh, Toby Hooper. But there's just like, you know, like, oh, this escape pod, it landed in the in the United States, and they're like, where exactly did it land? And it's like a big kind of push into his face, and he goes, Texas. As if it's like the worst place imaginable. <laughs> like it, it's it's fucking brilliant. Haven't you heard their <laughs> chainsaw massacres? Yeah, there? exactly. Uh, but he comes and he gives his story of like what happened. He was basically attracted to the the female. What the radio guy starts destroying equipment, and then everybody just starts dying. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, I, I blew it all up. I got in the escape pod. Bye bye." Yeah, and what I loved about this is that, like, I mean, this is a take on the, the in, in Dracula, there's the classic story we talked about not that long ago of, like, uh, and they're making a whole movie based on this. Um, but there's a segment of Dracula where he's on the ship Demeter, and he's killing off the crew one yes. by one. Yeah. And there, like I said, there's a whole movie coming out soon based on this entire thing. But I, I really like, I like that trope of, like, it's a vampire enclosed vehicle picking off the crew one by one and they don't know what's going on like it's yeah very classic uh so he comes in and then he has a crazy sex dream this is where we learn that like he has a telepathic link between him and space girl and like i said <laughs> it is just amazing lighting in the scene because at first like he's in bed and the giant bat creature is like coming towards him and then it it like changes to her automatically um, you know, they make out, he plays with their boobs. Yeah. He's always, like, asking her, like, why me? Why do I love you? Like, why are you so perfect? Yeah, and I do like her, her again, dialogue is interesting. Good. Yeah, he's not great. But her, I like her dialogue, all, like, the use my body stuff, and I can't, you know, you're one of us, and you've always been one of us. It's, it is kind of, kind of creepy. I don't quite yeah. understand a lot of it, but, you know. I... I, you know, and I've seen this, like, four or five times. I still don't even really understand it. Yeah, yeah. What I think it is is, like, he, she gave him energy, and then he, she took some of his, but then they started, like, melding to where now they're, like, becoming a new species or something. Yeah. It's weird. I didn't even get until this last viewing of all of the bat creatures are, like, their real form. I was thinking right. of it something like... Um, they were like a third form, but the bat creatures are like the ones that they were well, draining. She, yeah, she says at a certain point, I forget exactly where it is, but she says like we based our bodies our, don't matter. Our, yeah, our bodies don't matter. But she says no, we we're based off of your inner desires. Mm. Like she is his vision of the perfect woman. That's that's why yeah. she looks the way she does. And she's also it's, like we learned your language and everything too when we mixed. Like, that's right. how they can speak English, yeah. The way she says it, though, she's like, I am the feminine in your mind. Like, Yes, yeah. It's actually cool way just to put it. your, if you're a female, almost. Right. And when you, yeah. you would fall in love with your, like, if I put on a wig and, like, looked in the mirror, I'd be like, hey, baby, how are so, you doing? So, I think just the implication maybe then is that, like, he's one of them in the sense that he's just compatible with whatever their life force yeah. or something i don't know yeah I, and that, that to them is like like detraction right like, and that to her enough. yeah and that to her is romance like that's the closest thing that is <laughs> romance for them but yeah the dead bats are their true form and they say at a certain point that like oh they must have drained each other 
while exactly. they were traveling in space, and now there's only three that's, left. Yeah, that's what I got on the last one of like they were just they started feeding off of each other, and these are just the only three yeah. people that are left of the like original crew. Uh, um, we have a pretty crazy part where we where he's mentally describing where she's going and stuff, and she's oh, in a new yeah. body. Of a woman I was about Ellen. to get to this because uh, yeah. he wakes up and Falada's like, "Hey, I want to hypnotize you," and the doctor's like, "He's too exhausted. We gotta wait." Which is another thing of like, why? Like you're just <laughs> dragging out some things. Like, yeah, you should just hypnotize him now. But I do love the hypnotized tracking shots of her. Yeah, those were great. Um, seducing another man, and then we like, and then it's like, okay, well, we're searching for that man and the woman. He dropped her off at this asylum for the criminally insane. So that's where they go. Yeah. Uh, we get Carlson and the nurse, and he starts getting, like, real physical with her automatically. This, is, this stuff is, like, uncomfortable. Where he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, she wants me to beat the info out of her, so he's, like, smacking her around and shit. Like, I have um, to force her. But, but yeah. he's, I love Carlson's even, like, you know, I have to do it. If you don't want to be here, just leave. And then Kane's like, mm-hmm. "Not at all. I'm a natural voyeur," and just sits <laughs> down. That is one of Kane's best moments. I noticed a sticker in Ellen's apartment that just said, "Good friends stay overnight." So there is. I mean, look, I don't quite understand what this movie is trying to say about women, but there is something to the idea of like promiscuity or something. I don't know that they are beautiful yet deadly, Greg. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. They are the reason that we get up at night, but they're also the reason we cry ourselves to sleep. Um, I, I, I'm going to credit this to a, a letterbox review, but it, it talked about how a part of this movie, it, it's like about desire or lust as a plague, you know? And okay. it's this idea of just like, oh, she's too beautiful to exist because of what she does to men is part of mm. like the horror of this, you know? Um, which is an interesting take. It's, I think it's a more feminist reading on it. Rather than O'Bannon is scared of women and, you know. Uh, well, just going off my letterbox review, I, I have a serious question to ask you, Greg. Would yeah. you betray humanity for her? That hesitation. That's a, I, I literally don't think I have a choice in the matter. You see it, and it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's over. It's done. Right. You know? Um, yeah. But he he slaps her around a little bit, kisses her. And then, like, gets the information. We come to find out that, yeah, he is psychically linked to her. That if he touches somebody who she has possessed, he's able to tell. Again, it's not really clear in a lot of things. But that's when we meet um, Jean-Luc Picard. Well, I guess we met him a little bit before this. He is the actual doctor running the asylum. And some, like, confusion thing. But basically, they ask about a child killer. And when they go yeah. into his cell to, like, give him pentothal and morphine, they just inject uh, Jean-Luc Picard instead. Because uh, he's he's actually the space girl. Yes. I, I don't know. But they, they take him back to, like, a surgery room. And he has the most, like, blood-curdling scream. And it's fantastic. Yeah, he starts speaking in her voice. I think, I, yeah. according to my notes, this is where we get the I am the feminine in your mind line. Yeah. Uh, he kisses Patrick Stewart on a table, which is a fun moment, because um, he's got to, like, meld with him or something. It is fun that, like, it keeps kind of cutting back and forth between Patrick Stewart and then Mathilda May. Yeah. 
And also like in too, here, too much sexy. Have, like we got to keep cutting. Yeah. Also in here, Falada just happens to have a giant sword, <laughs> like a weird sword thing. He just and opens he up a box, it. and there it is. Yeah. yeah. He he learns that one of the one of the guards or the the, the two male vampires survived being killed by the mm-hmm. guards and are inside the guards now. So he like stakes one of those guys with the sword, and he's like, "Hey, they, these things are the basis for the classic vampires, and so we can." assume that they operate in some of the same way so he stakes them right. not in the don't, heart not, not in the but heart in, two yes. inches below the heart at the energy center right. it's like okay <laughs> uh but it has to be uh, leaded iron yes how but does he a, know any of this i don't know a pretty dope sword though like it's cool I it's really a very like cool it. prop yeah when when kane is running with it later i'm just like fuck yeah yeah You're so cool <laughs> Uh, let's see, at this point, so they're like, okay, well, we're gonna take her, take her back to London. And they're concerned, like, was the whole point of this to, like, draw us away from London? Right. Uh, oh, there was another point where Carlson's like, I'll keep you in the state for weeks. I don't care. Like, as he's slapping yeah. around Patrick Stewart. <laughs> they get into a helicopter. They're heading back to crazy London town. And we find out that, like, there's, uh, basically, the plague has started. Is what they refer to it as, a yeah. plague. And they, as uh, they're on their way back, Carlson tells the real story of what happened on the, the Churchill. Was that he was hypnotized or something, but he was the one either killing people or destroying equipment. And then... He tries to destroy it, and it's like the hardest thing he's ever done to leave her. Yeah, not to destroy, but to just leave her. And uh, all of a sudden, fucking another phenomenal effect of Patrick Stewart, and then the other like secretary guy who died. We didn't even mention that Sir Percy. Like, yeah, the the weird psychic energy like explodes, and he breaks his neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're on the helicopter, and then blood just starts pouring out of their eyes and mouth. And then, it's so fucking cool, like combining in just like the middle of air. And then all of a sudden, it's Mathilda May as Space Girl with brain as hairs, and she's all bloody. Mm-hmm. You can see the veins on her. Um, very fascinating. She talks about this in the interview. Like it took eight hours to do the whole idea of it was that it was uh like her without skin on like those were like the veins and everything also that they shot this on her birthday oh wow she didn't really know anyone because you know she didn't speak english she's in this foreign country she doesn't really know anybody so she talked about it was a very lonely time but she hadn't even told anyone that was her birthday so they do the whole scene uh, you know, she goes, gets cleaned up, and then comes back out, and all the cast and crew are there with a big cake. Aww. You know, wish her a happy birthday. Um, it was really sweet. She she talked a lot about like uh, learning English throughout the production, and that she the Falada actor, uh, what was his name? Not Peter Firth, Frank Finley, and that yeah. she really was like taking after him because she was like, you just have such a great voice. I yeah, he does. Him. He has a fantastic voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but no, this is this is probably the peak of the effects in the movie. This this you know the reconstituting her via blood thing. It looks so fucking good. We have a mm-hmm. really fun Patrick Stewart puppet with its eyes like darting around and stuff. 
yeah, then she screams and just, like, collapses into a pile of blood. Doesn't um, make any sense, but so fucking cool. It, it's so fucking cool. I think it's around this time, too, as, like, all the chaos is happening around London. You got, like, the blue energy, like, shooting around the skyline and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible-looking miniature London skyline. You can tell yeah. it's all miniatures, and it it looks fucking amazing. I think, yeah. God, aesthetically, this movie is, like, almost a 10. It, it, it looks so fucking cool. <laughs> Uh, Carlson has a great line, like, after the Blood Girl stuff. He, he says, she's destroyed worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, like, and one then, of those, like, you just need a little bit, and it's uh, so effective. Yeah. And in talking about his infatuation with her, too, he says it was more than spiritual, which uh, was really evocative to me. I liked it. Uh, th- this is where they talk about, like, they were feeding off each other. But then they're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess we're going to go to the Prime Minister since our connection to him has died so let's go oh, there this is hey we got like, awesome too <laughs> give a report and then prime minister's like oh um yes uh he looks really bad he's, he's like, so yes, sweaty I, yeah i will uh yeah he's like dabbing himself like uh uh yes i will be with you in one moment uh secretary please come here come here miss Haver- right now miss haversham his hot secretary yeah one of the best british names ever mm-hmm. exactly uh, but just like takes her into the back room and starts sucking our life force out. I, that was great. I loved that it was done in silhouette. It was really yeah. neat. And then Kane yeah. and Carlson are just like, "Well, I guess we're gonna leave." Mm-hmm. They go and get back on the the helicopter. Like all shit's happening at this point, and two of the zombie. It's so weird because they're almost zombies, but they're right. vampires. Two of them like hang off of the helicopter. One of them, another great fucking effect. You can see his hands are cupped on top of each other. Yeah, on the pole, yeah. And the one hand then to like, like, degloves the other hand to fall. It's so cool. It's so yeah. cool. Uh, Kane is like, "Hey, do you have any weapons on this helicopter?" And the the pilot's like, "No, but I got this flare gun." And so Kane shoots the zombie with a flare gun. Dude, the pilot is such a small role, but that that right. actor is really put into work though, because yeah. he's like, it seems like he's having a panic attack during all of this. What's best is when the blood is like constituting itself, and he gets yeah. freaked out, and like yeah. the, the helicopter is like going all over the place. But he, and he like, is really hey, doing that. Fly the plane. But that pilot is really selling the panic. Like it, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah, he's he's really good. Uh, we, there's another great thing where they're talking to Falada over the radio and they're saying like, it's martial law in London. Um, or I think it's the pilot actually saying it's like, everything's been placed under NATO. And then Kane's like, NATO? I I love that reaction. We learned that they, they have approved a nuke if it can't be contained. Um, which is yet again, just like Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Well, they are then, uh, grounded on like a quarantine thing and i love that they're like all right well we know there's a plague going on in london we don't know what it is we know incubation times two hours so we're gonna make you wait for two hours and then kane's just like we know what the plague is we can't waste time let me talk to your superior officer cut to them inside of the quarantine zone like it's just yeah it's so funny. They're like, no, no, no. I know what it is. I'm not infected. Oh, really? Okay. As long as you say you're not infected, that's that's totally yep. fine. Let's get you in here. Uh, meanwhile, the ship that they discovered on Howie's Comet is like parked above London. And uh, this is so cool. But all, it's collecting all of the souls 
of right. people from every who are becoming blue vampires. little dot is a soul. You're like, well, yeah. I guess we know. Well, that is another thing. Falada is thanatology, something like that. But he's obsessed with the idea of death. Yeah. What happened to us as we die, when we're dying, after we die. Yeah, and I is, really like his speech about that. That's good. At least interesting that we're learning in this movie, there is life after death. Like, we each have a soul. Mm-hmm. Or we have Very life force. Yeah. Right. Right. That can be transferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then eventually Carlson's just like, well, I'm going to leave this quarantine zone. And then Kane's like, well, I guess I'm going to follow him. I do really love kane being like whose car is this oh it's the major and like trying to take the keys and then the major just like, kind of has to look and like nod and your side piece and then he just like nods and hands him a gun <laughs> runs away uh and then it's yeah the, the nukes coming in an hour and a half carlson is going through london it's really fun to see just every like it's pandemonium outside it's just insane yeah. it's great uh, he eventually finds out that she is in that cathedral, and so that's where he goes. Kane is, like, thrown off, and he goes and tries to find Carlson, but he finds Falada, and they have a little, a nice little exchange. I do like that Falada has turned at this point, but he's not, like, malicious about it. He's more intrigued about understanding what's going to happen to him. And he's like achieved his purpose. He's achieved his goal. He's just like I've discovered life after death. Like he's gotten what he wanted. Yeah. He gets shot and then like explodes, which is great. But then uh, as Kane takes the sword out of the one actor, there's like effects, and then the 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 skeletons there. And yeah. So now it's just him running with a gun and a sword, as you do in London, you know. Uh, then we make it to the church, and Carlson and the girl are making out in this beam of energy, not really sure what's happening here. She's taking his energy, because she gave him some of her energy, and now she needs it back before yeah. they leave. Very convoluted, but Kane shows up. Well, on the way there, Kane is, like, you know, battling all these zombie people. And then one just, like, pops up in front of him, and he shoots it in the face. <laughs> Fucking love it. So cool. But then when it gets to the steps of the church, there is the now male vampire. He's I, just there. Oh, it's a great visual seeing him, like, he's, like, conducting the energy. R- yeah. Right, yeah. And then uh, I love his voice. Like, the distortion on his voice is really good. And he's just like, it'll be a lot less terrifying if you come to me. Um which is a weirdly, like, casual thing to say. Like, the way he puts it is very weird. Mm-hmm. And Kane has the great response of, you know, then I'll come or something like that, right? Like, I think know. this is a director's cut, actually. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I don't oh. remember there actually being any dialogue. I mean, he just, like, he knocks him back and he loses his gun. And then it's, to me, I love the visual of just, like, Kane, like, crouched. And yeah. then, like, thrusting the sword and everything. He gets, like, a really good action line there. He's just like, you know, yeah, he says, it'll be ter- less terrifying if you come to me. And he's like, then then come I shall, or something. Hmm. And then he runs, rushes back and stabs him. Yeah, yeah I think that's just... But I really like that. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, neat. Interesting. Uh, then he goes into the church, and Carlson's making out with Space Girl. They're nude. They're in this, like, energy field thing. Yep. And Kane throws him... 
the giant sword, who he then stabs Mathilda May in the back and then plunges it through his own torso. And they die as they ascend to the ship and the ship goes away. But it seems like they're Credits. ascending to get to be together or something. Right, but then they're dead. Yeah, like, it looks like the ship is maybe going to crash into the moon or something. Like, I don't the know. The ship is, is like blue energy and then it starts turning red like maybe it's yeah. turning off or something. We don't really get a, a, a bunch of resolution or anything. It yeah, just kind of ends and you're like, <laughs> alright, I guess so. But yeah. like, fucking man, is this a wild ride or what? It is, man. It, it's truly yeah. something to behold. Like, huh. that's the thing is, I, I wish I, I, I love. It's, it's like you. I know exactly how you, how you feel about this, and when, when yeah. I know what you mean when you say that you love this, but it's like a complete mess. I mean, like that could describe a couple other Toby Hooper movies too. Like, it's a little bit how um, the Fun House is, and okay. uh, Eaten Alive. Like, they're a little messy. They're a little like rough around some edges. Maybe they don't have the greatest performances, but like there's just something inherently fascinating to them, and uh, Hooper is so clearly an amazing director. Like he he really is. It just it all he he needs the great the right script to go along with it for the most part. But for the but he usually across his career at a lot of the ones most of the movies I've seen, he delivers something fascinating in some capacity. And yes. like this is this is no exception. We should get in the final thoughts because I already sound like I'm wrapping it up. So right, like it, he definitely has such a, a visual eye for cinema, and that he knows yeah. like what is going to be captivating. Um, yeah, what do we want to rate this out of? I guess uh... <sighs> that's uh, a tough one. There's nothing not really to, like that stands out. Not to be you know? crass, but. Uh... Vampire tits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay. So one thing I was reading about, <laughs> especially in the trivia, is that you know Mathilda May was very young. Um, this was you know IMDb trivia, so who knows? But they they made her shave her pubic hair. Uh huh. Because uh, they wanted to make her younger or look younger or something. But then they were <laughs> like, "Well, you can actually see her vulva now, so like we have to put on a merkin or like we're." adjusting pubic hair on her like we're putting wig hair on her privates or something like that so merkins maybe not a, not bad yeah I, right. yeah I'm, I'm for it <laughs> all right um this movie is absolutely bug nuts so insane i love the giant swing it's some amazing ideas some fascinating execution it just doesn't always work. It's kind of um, you know here, there. We're just we're just going on this chain of events, and there's points of, like in the the asylum. Like I'm like I don't know why we're here. I'm really not sure what the point yeah. of all of this is. And then it's like, well, we were just we were drawn out of London, so now we're coming back. So many fun, just little performances. Again, it would be better if Carlson was one a better actor but two like a more heroic or like actual character like it had more to do of the story 
Yeah, because they they treat the big reveal that he's the one that basically killed everybody on the Churchill or got them killed. They treat that as like this big reveal, but you're kind of like just like okay, who you know who kind of cares a little bit. Yeah, you didn't need to like give us a a fake story and then the real story. You could have just done the real story. I and I feel like that's a lot of it. Is is uh, it's not streamlined enough, like. That's the way a novel works, is that you are making it more convoluted to give mystery, to give intrigue, because that's what you can do in a novel. You can give characters thoughts and like that. In a, in cinema, you need more of a straight through line, um, unless, you know, you're like a David Lynch or, or something like that. But like, right. it needs it needs to be more uh, easily to follow. And this movie just doesn't do that. I wish it did. I I love it so much. I was actually thinking about it before we started recording. Of how I talk about, like, we don't need to remake Vertigo. We don't need to remake these movies that work. We should remake movies that didn't work. I think someone could do a really good job remaking Life Force. Yeah, possibly. I, I, yeah, I don't... The state of effects, you know, and the, the general, like, way cg is used these days it wouldn't be nearly as visually striking but there is so much cool and uh cool shit in the idea of this movie that yeah i could see that i could see that being interesting yeah uh you know like denny villeneuve doing like you know a 10-part <laughs> netflix series you know i'd be happy uh, with that no <laughs> you need somebody you need somebody very sexual which i don't have that's true as well i don't know i don't who, know if who that might be Denny's but... very sexual um, I got it. I got it, baby. We'll get Paul Schrader. There you to go. To write and direct. There you go. Ten fucking episodes. It. Yeah. No, uh, no, no. But no none of this. None of this TV series bullshit. That is. I hate that trend. We we've been talking about this a lot. I can't believe you suggest it. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. Ugh. Uh, but I'm gonna go three point seven Merkins. It's. <laughs> it's so close to me to like getting that round up of a four. Like I yeah. want it, I want it to be a four so badly. It's just not. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's man, all I, I got to say. I, I'm I'm gonna echo like all of that shit almost verbatim. I think that like I I love the Dan O'Bannon nature of this movie. Uh, I I think O'Bannon is such a great writer and like uh, just he is maybe not the most like in-depth writer but he just has something to his his scripts and ideas that is fascinating to me um and this one has this weird thing that it's like is it a fear of the feminine that we're talking about here is it like you know oh hey femininity is a plague that is like running rampant through london and making men oversexed and insane like i don't know it's tough to say what exactly this movie is about, essentially, in, in, in that regard. Like, where it kind of falls in this stuff. Is it being misogynistic? Like, it's definitely got a very pervy nature to it, which is like, like yeah, the entirety the of, of Matilda May's character. Yeah. What is the theme? But I think that it's, it is kind of interesting. You could take it a couple different ways. Um, and I, But it's, it is just really hard to discuss. Like, what the fuck is this movie really about? Uh, but that just kind of lends itself to the fun craziness of it, too. Like... Um, there's so much going on, probably too much at a certain point. Like, I really don't understand all of the body jumping stuff and, um, you know, what exactly Carlson's connection is 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 to the, the space girl. 
Um, like you said, the acting, like, there's some really good performances in here. I love Patrick Stewart. I love uh, Falada as a character. Kane has some really great moments. But as a whole, like, none of the characters really draw you in that much. Um, and, like, it, it's the thing. It's like it, it all the times it fails are really some of it's also its strengths. Like, the strange cheesiness of some moments or, like, the the weird pacing is sometimes actually kind of interesting. Like, yeah, there's, and this is a classic movie that like, it doesn't really fall into the good or bad camp, but it is wildly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the effects are so good. I think it's got an incredible, incredible sci-fi Gothic aesthetic to it. Um, London is the perfect setting for that. And, uh, I saw it even just as a retelling of Dracula. Somebody saying, like, this foreigner coming into London to kind of cause, like, sexual chaos. Like, yeah, yeah, I could kind of see that. That's kind of interesting. You even have the mental link, like Mina had with uh, Dracula. It's just gender-swapped. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot going on here that I really love. I, but I just can't say I fully, like, it's that it's great or anything. That's yeah. a good idea. Should... We should do the Dracula miniseries just gender swapped. That's yeah. what we need now. There's oh so many God, Dracula so stories perfect. coming out. Like the last Voyage of the Demeter is that movie coming out soon that it explicitly is Dracula. And then um, it was just Renfield announced the other day. Just came out. Renfield. Uh, it was just announced the other day that Chloe Zhao is might potentially do a Dracula movie with uh, Robert Pattinson. Okay. And it might involve Dracula waking up in the future. I'm like, okay, that's, okay. that's, you know, not a bad idea, I guess. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. But Dracula's hot right now, man. Which I, I'm not complaining. I love Dracula. I'm going to see Renfield eventually. I just don't know if I want to pay to see it in theaters. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up with around the same, I'm going to say 3.7 Merkins as well. I'll just fucking meet you in the middle there. Or I can meet you on the same page. Yeah. Like, I, again, I, I wish I could give it more. It's so enjoyable. Yeah, me too. Insane. But it, it's definitely it's definitely something I'm going to return to, you know, like, uh, it's fun. Like, even with the pacing being a little drawn out at times, like, it, it's it's still fairly breezy for the most part. Right. Like I said, there's a, there's a great 15-minute chunk where at least, like, four people explode into dust. And it looks incredible and is very funny each time it happens. Like, that's worth the price of admission alone, That like, that sequence. Yeah. I think this was maybe the fifth time, fourth and fifth time I've seen it. Like, I watched it. And I was just like, this is a me. Oh my god, how... I originally gave it three stars. I was like, okay, I need to watch this again. And then we watched <laughs> it with the group. And it like, barely changed my score to 3.5. And then I was like, I, I need this 4K. It's just so insane and gorgeous. I, yeah. Again, I cannot, I cannot give it a higher score, even if I wish I could. But, yeah. That's the, that's but, the thing. Is like, I, have to, I have to recognize that it falls short in a lot of areas. Like... But it's cool, and I do love it. <laughs> but as as we've talked, that that like twenty minutes, mm-hmm. like from fifteen to thirty five minutes, is some of the most captivating. Yeah, of the movies. It's really we've fascinating ever stuff. It's just yeah. so like I'm into it uh, completely, and it's not even just because there's a naked girl on screen that helps. <laughs> trust me, but there's more to it than just that. Yeah. We haven't even talked that much about... We didn't do it really for uh, Texas Chainsaw 2 or this movie, but this is a canon film. And I don't... I mean, canon films is one of the... They're incredible. They were an amazing film studio run by two Israeli guys that were really trying hard to, like, break through American um, 
to the American pop culture and stuff. And I mean, they they succeeded in a lot of ways. Like, but they were the primary primary employers of like Chuck Norris. Yeah, they actually got some like Academy Award attention for Runaway Train. Uh, um, didn't they do like a bunch of the Death Wish movies as well? They did. They did uh, all of them except for the first one. The first okay. one is the only one that wasn't uh, canon. But they did all of those. So they yeah, they had Charles Bronson in their wheelhouse. Uh, they did a lot of ninja movies, like Ninja, Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja. Um, what's the other one? Uh, ninja Three: The Domination. Right. They, they were amazing, but they they also have this this strange. It's very interesting that they start working with Toby Hooper because, like most of the other movies, you can tell, like essentially they're foreign films masquerading as American movies. But Toby yes. Hooper is like he's a Heartland Texan, like he just has this American uh, feel to him innately. And so, good old like, boy. Uh, yes, exactly. And so his mixture with canon is really fascinating. These do not really feel like other canon movies, any of the ones he made with them. So like. Uh, yeah, they're really interesting. I really love canon films. I'm like, this is a really weird one in their in their filmography, but I I, I love it. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna chalk it up to Man One, Alien Zero, at the end of yeah. this episode. So we're gonna see how it's gonna go for the rest of the month. Greg, do you want to let us know what we're gonna be watching next week? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, so Hooper, as he mentioned, you know, was trying to make like an old school Hammer movie with this. Was went very gothic with it, and we talked about how the you know the uh, alien invasion movies are often split between sci-fi and horror. We're gonna go one that's very sci-fi, a staple of the genre, going back to literature. I want to talk about the original War of the Worlds. Very fun. Do you know the day or not the date? Uh, I the year. Pause to look it up. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, this is from 1953. Wow. Exciting. Well, I think that's going to be it for us this week. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. You can always contact us. Email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram, both at weeklymassacre. Uh, I am Murfinturf on Letterboxd. You are G Anderson nineteen. Yes. That's okay. Correct. Got it. And uh, yeah, that that's it for us. So please hit us up and let us know if you need to feed off of others every two hours just to not explode. If you wear a turtleneck, <laughs> a leather jacket, and a trench coat, I want to hear from you. If you have ever vomited a bloody alien girl who then exploded. Let us know. I'd, I'd be very fascinated to hear about that encounter. Yeah. yeah. So until next time, I'm a natural voyeur. <laughs> Our viewers may be interested to know that comets were once considered to be harbingers of evil, and that one of the earliest words for comet was disaster, which is Latin for evil star. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.